Shabugles. Uh, see, yeah. I keep Shibugles. pronouncing it. Shabugles. I mean, it's actually a sign of a good word is that every time you say it, the pronunciation changes just a little bit. <laughs> so you actually, um, it's like the word is speaking back to you and telling you how it should be pronounced. Oh, golly. Oh, my goodness. Boy, you've got all your bases covered, don't you? <laughs> That's my mom. And I'm your host, Rebecca Garza-Bortman, and together we cover all the bases of advice from mom. Usually, as our name suggests, we're an advice show, where listeners such as yourselves send us in questions seeking advice from my mom, or as our listeners call her, Mama B, PhD, or as our clients in Pittsburgh call her, Dr. Elizabeth Skabinski-Bortman. But in honor of Mother's Day a.k.a. the international holiday of advice from mom, this month we're talking to motherly figures of all sorts, celebrating Mother's Day all month long with a bunch of ladies, and non-ladies actually, who are mothering the world in their own way. How do we celebrate Mother's Day? All month long, we gotta do more than just calling my mom. Mother is a verb, so you might as well use it. Look at bigger pictures, start making improvements. Talk to matriarchs who are mother in movements. All month long, on advice from mom. This episode, we're talking to someone who is the mother of three small children. And additionally, is mothering a movement, a movement for equality and representation. And as she puts it, breaking up the boys club of Silicon Valley. So she's coming from the tech world, but as you'll hear, her vision stretches far into the world at large. Mom, have you ever heard of the show Silicon Valley? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today's guest is so much of an authority on the happenings in the tech world that she appears as herself on an HBO comedy about the tech world. Does she really all about it? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. So on the show Silicon Valley and in real life, today's guest, Emily Chang, is the anchor and executive producer of Bloomberg Technology, Wow, which is a daily TV show based on the tech world. <laughs> Her show puts faces to the names behind these big tech companies, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well as the powerful folks who fund these unicorn startups that then someday become these big tech companies. Mm. And as you know, mom, your own daughter's career has been designing destinations in the pixelated mountains of the Internet. (laughs) And I uh, was listening to an interview with her, and she was talking about how she interviews these very uh, these very big leaders in technology and she says you know to really get interested get curious about how did you get to this point and that's really what she's looking for and she she's she's very interested in that story yeah and she does not ask any fluffy questions she also has this interview show that's called Bloomberg Studio 1.0 where she asks the toughest questions and gets uh, even tougher answers sometimes. But she's taken all those tough answers to the next level by writing this book that's called Brotopia, mm. 
which as I mentioned at the top of the show, yes, is yes. about breaking up the boys club of Silicon Valley. And moreover, getting women into positions they deserve and are highly qualified for in this industry that has basically said for decades, you're not qualified. We're, we have a big job to start to correct some of these mistaken notions. Which what I think you're getting at is that the tech industry is an industry that could use a lot more mothering, mm. mm-hmm. uh, which is why I think that Emily Chang is the mother of a movement. Go girl, go girl. Oh, and one more thing about this interview, Mama. Yes. I didn't just talk to Emily Chang. I talked to Emily Chang with her own mother, Sandra Chang, who goes by Sandy. Because why not double the moms on Advice from Mom? Yes! Let's... (laughs) Absolutely! (laughs) Emily, thank you for joining me on Advice from Mom. You did not come by yourself today. Can you tell me who is sitting next to you? Well, I brought my mom, who is inarguably the person who's had the biggest influence on my life up to this point. Um, So we've never done something like this before together, and I thought it would be a really fun opportunity to, to talk and do something special. And so I'm really grateful to you for inviting us both to be here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. So, uh, Sandy, this question is for you. That felt a little like newlywed game. I didn't mean it to. This question is for you. Um, How do you describe Emily to new friends? To new friends, I would describe Emily as this is my daughter, who is also one of the most amazing mothers that you will ever want to meet. And she is a brilliant journalist who has written the most amazing book that I have read in my entire life, of course. (laughs) She's totally unbiased. Yes. Of course. Yes, in in the most motherly of ways. Did you know when she was a kid that she'd grow up to be a journalist and an anchor? No, but I knew that she would do something very public because I could see it moving that way. She used to put on productions for us in the in the living room and she has something that a lot of people don't know about Emily is that she has the voice of an angel so when she went off to Harvard um, the first thing she did was audition for an acapella group and of course they took her right away because she actually does have the voice of an angel again totally unbiased Um, But yes, I loved to perform when I was little. I was always the star of the show, and my sister would be the supporting actress or actor. So if we did The Little Mermaid, I was Ariel and she was Sebastian. It all worked out because um, those are sort of the roles we fill in our relationship today. And luckily, there was always a, a willing audience. A mama triton. Yes, it's interesting because Emily is the verbal of my the more verbal of the two of my two daughters and so I think Sarah was very happy in that role she wanted someone in that position that Emily was taking on and what are you most proud of of raising two accomplished daughters the thing that I'm the most proud of really and people ask me this a lot especially because of Emily's book and and the fact that she's in the public eye so much and actually the thing that I am the most proud of is is the mothers that they have become because I I just I think it's really, really difficult for young moms today to to do what they do, and it's 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 like a Herculean task. Emily has three young children 
couple. All of them are boys, ages five, three, and one. And they are uh, the happiest three little boys you would ever want to meet. And yet she's juggling that along with a show and authoring a book. And um, I mean, I can tell that it is difficult, but I know they're doing it well because I can see how happy my grandchildren are. And I think that's what I'm the most proud of. And since this is an advice show, what are, what are the what's what advice do you have, Emily, for for someone uh, who might want to live a similarly accomplished life? So, first of all, I had an amazing example and a mom who worked incredibly hard, and you know she wanted to send us to the best private school. We couldn't afford it, so she found a way to work her way up to getting a job there, and then ended up teaching at the school for twenty years, and we were able to. Um, have free tuition and have the best education that we could have possibly gotten. Um, And so I obviously had a great example. I mean, now in my life, people ask me all the time how I do it. And I'm just like, I don't know, just like you. I mean, I'm just sort of figuring it out along the way. There's no grand plan, but it really does take a village. And I have many people who are part of my village. And of course, my mom is probably the most important part of my village, in addition to my husband, who is amazing. And so I think a lot of it is being willing to accept the help that is there. Um, you know, one thing that's hard in general is managing the guilt. And I think maybe that's a, a woman thing or a mom thing. But, you know, no matter how much I'm around, I always feel bad or sad for the times when I'm not there. Um, but one thing that's really important to me when I'm leaving my kids and being on the book tour lately has been incredibly intense and um I've, I've had to leave a lot more than I usually do, and I, I know that it's for a short period of time, and it's also really important. Um, but as much as I want to, you know, fall into a puddle when I'm saying goodbye to them, I also want them to value my work and know how much I love what I do and set a good example for them that, you know, A, mommy's work is important, and B, you know, I hope they also choose careers that they love and are, are passionate about. I mean, I think that that would be my main advice is in work, it's making sure that you find something you love, because if you don't love it, then it's certainly not going to be worth it. And you're not going to be able to leave the house every day. Um, But what I'm doing, I believe, is meaningful. And especially in in writing the book more recently, taking on women's issues and the advancement of women in in the tech industry, um, something that I really care about. And I think hopefully they'll be proud of. For me, it was, you know, it was a a much longer time ago. I I was also very afraid and worried and guilt-ridden about my children. And how could I, I wondered, how could I be all into my children and also be all into my students and be the best teacher that I could be as well as being the best mom that I could be. And, um, I just took it one day at a time and and it it unfolded and it just happened, you know? I also I think one of the most important things that has really helped me is hearing from other women who have done it, whether it's my mom or, you know, Cheryl Sandberg before she wrote Lean In. I remember having this moment where I don't know if you remember, there was that article in The Atlantic that came out, you know, women still can't have it all. And I was seven months pregnant with my first child. And I was so depressed. I was like, how am I going to do this? There is no way. And so I reached out to Cheryl out of the blue um, because the article really sort of took aim at her message. Um, And 
she wrote right back to me and said, congratulations, is this your first? And I almost fell out of my chair. Um, And then, you know, she followed up saying, here's my cell phone number. Call me anytime. I'm happy to give you advice. And of course, I didn't just call her cell phone number, but I figured out who her assistant was and I got time on her schedule. And in three weeks, she called me as planned. And I got sort of 30 minutes of personal (laughs) advice from Sheryl Sandberg, which was really, you know, you can do this. You have to do this. Um, Like the workforce needs you. The world needs you. And that was just so helpful to me. And so I've tried to share that with other women, whether it's my friends or even my sister, when they've had the same kind of doubts. You know, we can be so much stronger if we help each other and share these lessons with each other because we're all just learning along the way. Yeah. So was the call a pep talk? You know, I had 10 questions that I wrote down ahead of time um, and I worked through them and she really was just answering my questions. And so when I expressed doubt, you know, I think she probably did give me a little bit of a pep talk, but I kind of needed that. And hearing it from someone who has done it um, was, was just an amazing example for me um, and I actually, I wrote about it a little bit in the book. Um, and I know that Cheryl's message has been controversial and many people have picked it apart. But I do think that part of ne- what needs to happen is leaning in. The industry and companies and our culture also needs to change so that we're not like leaning into a door that's nailed shut. But it was a huge part of bolstering my own confidence in my own ability to do this, which I think Many of us as women um, have trouble summoning that confidence, and we need to remind ourselves of what our value really is. But I can tell you that Emily, once she sets her mind to doing something, she will do it, and she will do it well. She was, as a child, as a baby, um, we can't remember her ever crawling. She just one day got up on her feet, turned around, and walked all the way across the living room when my husband came home from work one day. And she was only like eight months old. I say seven, but she said she read the baby book and I was wrong. I have so much trouble believing this story, (laughs) but it's such a great story. I mean, it's a really good (laughs) metaphor. It, it It is your picture of what, how she tackles something. And while I know that Sheryl Sandberg is inspirational, and I'm sure that talk was, um, really helpful, I know that Emily would have found a way to make this work and work well for her children no matter what. Mm-hmm. I'm also interested in this idea of being told we can't do something and the responses that people have to being told they can't. And it sounds like when you first read that article, you know, seven seven months into pregnancy, it felt like a strong, you can't do this. Absolutely. I mean, and I think I was already tired and hormonal and feeling just the physical uh, pressure of what carrying a child involves. But nobody likes to be told they can't do something. And I kind of had already decided I was going to. I just didn't know how, right? I was already having the baby. I wasn't, I wasn't going to leave my job, which I loved. And so I just had to figure it out. But generally, that was taking it one day at a time and not trying to get too far ahead of myself. Not talk yourself out of that future book you're going to write, all the things you're going to do. At the time, I had no idea I was I was going to write a book, um, to be fair. 
Uh, but I was anchoring a show every day and, you know, I've only had more kids and taken on more challenges at work. And part of the reason I've taken on those challenges is to keep my own career fresh, you know. Um, and in a way, it's it's continued to be, my job has continued to be an everyday education, which is so, to me, so important. If you're going to be going to work and leaving an, your amazing family every day, there has to be some value to it. And for me, that's what the value is. Totally. I'm also interested in how your personality comes through in that and how you allow it to come through. So when you decide to kind of share more openly who you are um, versus, you know, the impression of a journalist of an, of an anchor is more the stoic the stoic uh, view. So when do you decide when to do that? So I've been trained my whole career to be objective as a journalist coming into a situation without an opinion or at least without a public opinion. And I've always really cared about women's issues and the representation of women in technology. But as I was building the show, Bloomberg Technology, which we launched eight years ago, my first job was to convince people to join the show. and. Over the years, I started becoming more courageous about asking CEOs and investors these questions. What are you doing to hire women? What are you doing to promote women? What are you doing to fund women? Um, which it, they shouldn't, they're, they're not tough questions or they shouldn't be tough questions. But in those days, they really were. And there was one investor who I interviewed and they had no women in their U.S. investing business at the time. And I said, what's your responsibility to hire women? And he said, you know, we're looking very hard, but we're not prepared to lower our standards. And collective eye roll. <laughs> exactly. It just hit me like a ton of bricks that therein was part of the problem, that women haven't advanced in this industry faster than they have. And that was the spark that lit the fire that, you know, sort of motivated me to write this book, um, which I will say, I never aspired to write a book. I don't even, I don't know if I ever thought I could write a book. But, you know, there were people in my life who encouraged me to do it. And I suppose, like my mom said, you know, once I decided I was going to do it, I was going to do it. And I started right away, literally asking questions of every single person I interviewed, you know, off or on camera. What are you doing about this? What do you think the problem is? Who should I be talking to? I remember the day she called and said, Mom, I'm going to write a book. And in my mind, I thought, really? How are you going to do that? In my mind, right? And I went, great. You know, that's that's awesome. In my mind, I'm thinking, how is she adding that to this plate of totally, you know, like there's a whole meal in this plate and dessert and appetizers and, you know, drinks and everything is on this plate. And now we're writing a book. But I knew. I knew it would happen because... She's just always done that, you know. She's been a goal setter her entire life. So I was sure that once she decided this is what I want to do, it would get done and it would be done very well. And it was. Real quick, we're going to take a break from the conversation to tell you about today's sponsor, Care of Vitamins. Is it just me or does anything vitamin-related sound healthier if it's presented with a British accent? Even as you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be difficult to get all the nutrients your body needs for long-term health. I'd like to introduce Care of Vitamin Service. Your voyage towards ultimate health will begin with a brief but delightful quiz asking you of your diet, 
health goals, and lifestyle choices. Care of utilizes these answers to create a personalized vitamin pack just for you. Subscribe for better vitamins. Live to your dog. But how will you get them, you ask? Uh, this part sounds better in a Scottish accent. Your subscription box includes individually wrapped packets with your specific vitamins in supplements for easy grab and go. I'm gonna grab one now. Here's what my vitamins say for today. They say, hi, Rebecca. Seriously, so personalized it says my name on it. Today's question. If you could have dinner with one person, living or dead, who would it be? I'm gonna have to go with Cleopatra. Thanks, Kerov, you got me thinking. Care of Vitamin Service. Personally tailored for your exact health needs. In pockets, tailored to get you thinking. For $25 off your first month of personalized Care of Vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code PICKLEBALL. All right, back to my chat with Emily and Sandy Chang. So, Sandy... Can can you tell our audience a little bit about um, how how you responded to your daughter's book and the people who are responding to your daughter's book? Yes. Uh, well, I responded. You know, I was doing some reading of things before the book was out, so I had uh, some prior knowledge as to what was happening. She was lucky enough to get an advanced copy. She, yes. she, One of she very knew someone. Few. She knew someone. <laughs> yes, I knew someone. I was... I'm extremely proud of her because I think it took an enormous amount of courage to write this book. Uh, the people that she talks to every day are the subject of this book for the most part. And while I know for a fact that she has tremendous respect for the work that they do and for them, men and women alike, I really, I really was so proud that she was that she saw what that there was this real severe problem. In, in the tech industry, and that she was willing to take that on, even though it could mean that um, some people may not take her message so well. Um, so then when the book actually came out, um, as, you, as you may or may not know, Vanity Fair um, published a, a portion of the book in, in their magazine. And uh, they chose a section of the book that was that is very um, I want to call it salacious. Salacious, salacious. Yes, that's the word. Controversial, controversial, and salacious. Provoking. And of course, they did that because it was, you know, going to attract attention, and it, it certainly did that. And then when the book was actually out for people to buy and read, um, there were lots of sort of. Well, I wouldn't say lots, but enough so that it was upsetting to a mom that. Um, Trolls of sorts who um, wanted to, you know, wanted to focus only on certain parts of the book and not really look at the very important message of this book overall and the research that was done and the statistics that are cited. So I just decided that I would get onto Twitter myself and sort of respond to some of those comments. Were you on Twitter before? Yes. Emily's book? Okay. Yes. So but it wasn't... not actively. Okay. I became much more active on Twitter at the time of her book because it seemed necessary. I kind of feel like from Emily's expression, we might be missing the funniest part of I the story. I started seeing these notifications pop up 
San Chang, San Chang, <laughs> saying stuff about you on Twitter. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it was very kind. Like, well, you, you should read the whole book. And, um, you know, you can find the tweets if you search for them. You schooled them. <laughs> you schooled them. I did. Mm-hmm. And, and one of one of one of the men that um, had something to say was actually supporting her. But he said something and I responded to it and he wrote back and said, I feel like I just got scolded by Mrs. Chang. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So in um, that case, you were the teacher. So, yes. You were the teacher. Can, yes, I guess mm-hmm. so. The uh, guess eighth so. graders beware. Eighth graders beware. Beware. And book trolls. Eighth graders and book trolls yes. beware. Well, actually, eighth graders are very a very lot of fun. I just ignore the trolls, and so that is my strategy. It's best not to poke. So I would say that in that moment, my mom had more courage than me. You had different strategies, different social media strategies at that point. Well, I I also think that it's more difficult for the person who's being targeted to 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 fight that battle. In a, in a Twitter sense, you know. I also think that's interesting advice that, you know, when I, I've been going around and giving talks about the book, so many people are asking, what can I do? Okay, so this is what my organization can do or what the CEO can do, but what can I do? And I think that one of the main things people can do is to speak up for the victims. We can't always expect whether if the victim is a woman or we can't always expect women to speak up for themselves in that moment. And, you know, women have been speaking up and I think they should when they feel like they can. Um, But speak up for the people that you see getting interrupted or not getting that opportunity or getting harassed. It can be so much easier for, you know, someone to say, whether it's man to man or, or whatever, hey, that wasn't cool like let like think about this next time you know something like that happens um and it it i didn't think about it in this context but it can be so much more powerful um if you do have people out there who are your allies without without even needing to be asked um again th- this whole idea of we can all be stronger if we help each other you know i just think that that's something that we all can do men and women in order to lead the the real culture change that needs to happen across the board if we are going to get to a better place. And I think that, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Emily dedicated the book to her three sons. And so I think it's important to note that, you know, she wrote this book for many, many reasons. Well, a lot of people will say to me, oh, I have a daughter and I care about this so much, or I have a daughter and I understand and I'm like, well, I have three sons, and I think this is good for them, too. You know, we want a world where everyone has a voice, and everybody can contribute, and everybody is involved in designing these products and services that are literally changing our lives every day. You know, it's not just about people who work in tech or work in Silicon Valley proper, but it's about the billions and billions of people who are using these products. Um, Ev Williams, who is the co-founder of Twitter, told me that he thinks online harassment and trolling wouldn't be such a problem if women had been involved in the early days. He said they weren't thinking about it. You know, they were thinking about wonderful and amazing things that could be done with Twitter, not how it could be used to send death threats or rape threats or harass an author who's trying to make a statement about equality. You know, I think this is not just a a Silicon Valley issue, but it is a cultural problem that society really needs to address. But the message of the book is is really... It's not too late to change this. And the smartest people in the world, quote unquote, the people who are 
changing the world in so many other ways, I think they can change this too. This problem is not too big for them. Not at all. I mean, this is an industry that has never shied away from hard problems, whether it is connecting the world or organizing the world's information or getting us to Mars. You know, if we can go to Mars and build self-driving cars, we can hire more women and pay them fairly. So wait a second. Is Brotopia a pep talk? (laughs) In a way, it is, you it's, know? It's like advice from mom. And it's <laughs> In a advice big way. From, it's advice from that mom right there. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yes, I do think so many people have said, oh, this is too hard. We don't know what to do about it. I interviewed an investor who is investing in outer space and nuclear energy, and he said, I don't know what to do about this. I'm like, that answer is not good enough. Here's 300 pages on what you can do about it. Um And at this point, I think ignorance can only be willful. We can no longer say, oh, we didn't understand how big a problem this was or we didn't know what to do about it. There are lots of things that everybody can do about it starting today. I would love to wrap up just um, overall about the best advice you've ever gotten, whether it be from each other or just advice that you really feel has has steered you into being such amazing women. You're first. (laughs) The best advice I've probably ever gotten is the advice that is set in the example of the life that my mother lives. Um, She is 94 years old, as I said earlier, and um, she has lived through many really awesome experiences and celebrations in her life. You know, just turning 94 is one of them, right? But, you know, she had seven children. She had many grandchildren. But she's also lived through several, you know, you're 94. She lost a husband. She lost two children. She's lost a grandson. She lost my husband as her son-in-law, whom she was very close to. And I think that when I look at her and I – she was – that's why I consider her the hero in my mother, the hero in my life, because she showed me that you can do just about anything if you look forward, you know, if you look forward. You can, you can do just about anything. You can overcome any obstacle in your way. Um, and – I, I just look to her as a um, a beacon of strength in my life. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I would just say be yourself. And I think that at home and in life, you know, when you're looking for a place to work, you want to find a place where you can really be you because otherwise it's not worth it. Um, and... I do think that it's just so important to live an authentic life. And so I, you know, we, my mom is Italian. My dad was Chinese. We were always very, our house was very fiery and you never wondered what someone else was thinking. You knew. Um, And I feel like I can be that way at home as well. And um, I'm never trying to be somebody that I'm not or somebody that somebody else wants me to be. Um, and so, you know, surround yourself with the people who do celebrate you for, for who you are. Um, and that's in every environment at work or at home and and in your family. Um, and I think also it's also about supporting others so that they can be their, 
themselves and their best selves. Yeah. I, I think one of the major themes here is almost creating um, that plot of land for the beautiful garden and not really putting a ton of pressure on what kind of flowers grow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but just making sure there's rain, there's rainbows. We are talking about rainbows when we were in the lobby. And that there's growth. And that there's growth. And there's growth. And then there'll be flowers. So... I sound. I sounded like a Hallmark card. I think there we're ready. Like we just like fast forwarded to Mother's Day with a with a Hallmark card. Absolutely, that was beautiful. Yours truly. <laughs> um, and we're from Hawaii, so we love rainbows. There we go. Yeah. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank it was you. so awesome, awesome, awesome to feature such a amazing mom duo. Thank you so much for having us. I think this will be something super special that we can always look back on. And so I appreciate this opportunity. It's really special what you're doing here on this podcast. I don't think there's anything out there like it. And I just love how genuine you are about celebrating real and genuine relationships and mom-child relationships. I don't think there is anything more special than that. So keep it up. (laughs) There you go. You ended with a pep talk. It all ties together. (laughs) Perfect. So, Mama, how about that conversation with two wise women who happen to also be a mother-daughter duo? I'm blown away by it. It It was definitely a pep talk for me. Yeah? It really was. Um, the thing that Emily says that lit her fire mm-hmm. to write the book was the statement from the CEO saying, well, we're not going to lower our standards, which says everything in one short sentence. Sometimes having had a negative experience like, you know, or hearing something like that, we almost need to get angry to energize ourselves to really do the hard stuff, the challenging stuff. I, I can't uh, imagine that she, that Emily did all that with um, three young children and uh, multiple other projects going at the same time. I, I, I'm kind of floored. But it's also, I think that's that's what she calls attention to is that it's not, you know, it's it's not by magic. It's by a community and it's by having people like her mom in her life. Uh, the the other thing that really struck me is that both of them have the flexibility um, to adapt to whatever comes down the pike next. Mm-hmm. And we can't predict that. We don't know. And uh, But it's it's both the, uh, the risky, scary part, and it's also the most exciting, we're moving forward part. The thing that I really liked was Emily called attention to like she's kind of she's not letting the tech industry off easy. In that way, she is totally Mm -hmm. fulfilling motherly duties by like kind of holding them to high expectations and saying, if you can do things like put rockets in space and create (laughs) self-driving cars, you can also create an equal work environment for all genders. What these women have said to us gives us permission to be outspoken because there's a bigger there's a bigger goal here. Yeah. Here we go into the future. I love it. Speaking of the future, the very near future, stay tuned for next week's episode of Advice from Mom's Mother's Day all month of May, Mamorama with a reigning queen. 
who has mothered a very particular population in the queer creative community. With the finest in costumeries and names abounding with double entendres. Next week, we will be talking to none other than Peaches Christ. Here at Advice from Mom, we're talking to all sorts of incredible wise ones recently as we are already recording for season three. That said, it's not too late to get your questions in. Send Mama B all your advice-seeking questions completely anonymously at advicefrom.mom. She loves helping you out. And so do I. Thanks so much for listening. Advice from Mom is a production of Wise Ones Advice Services. It's produced by Juliet Heinley and me, Rebecca Garza-Bortman. Editing by Juliet Heinley and Samantha Land. Mixing and mastering by Jake Young. Publicity by Anna Bader. Audio assistance by Brian Garza. Our theme music is by my band, Love Jerks. A special thanks to our guests on this episode, Sandra and Emily Chang. This interview was recorded at KQED in San Francisco. Emily's book, Brotopia, is now available everywhere. I highly recommend you pick up a copy. And thanks to my mentor, Roy, for introducing me to Emily and mentioning that she has an amazing mom. You gosh darn inspired the special, Roy. Is there like a Polish word for concept? <laughs> um, I, there, I'm sure there is. What it is, I... Um, I'm sorry, I don't know.